Welcome to About Mansfield, your audio newspaper. I'm Steve Casillo with the August 9th, 2023, 185th edition, always broadcasting from the Sunmark Studios, along with Colleen Daniel and the About Mansfield News team. Coming up, it's Mansfield News and Conversation. A little later in the episode, you will have a chance to win a $25 gift card to a Mansfield restaurant of your choice with our Mansfield trivia question, courtesy of Joe Jenkins Farmers Insurance. Let's take a look at the stories we're covering this week. City of Mansfield starts mosquito spraying campaign. Vehicle collides with Mansfield police patrol car on a busy highway. Survey reveals that Texans love to dine out. And in the talk segment, Steve talks one-on-one with social services professor Dr. Jandel Crutchfield. We are Mansfield's only source for news, talk, and information. This is about Mansfield. Are you ready to create unforgettable memories? Picture this, an enchanting event venue nestled amidst breathtaking landscapes with panoramic views right here in Mansfield. The Grandview Event Center is the perfect setting to bring your vision to life. From intimate gatherings to large-scale extravaganzas, the Grandview has flexible spaces to accommodate any occasion, be it a wedding reception, corporate Christmas party, or community gathering. Book your next unforgettable experience at thegrandviewmansfield.com. That's thegrandviewmansfield.com. The Grandview Event Center, where memories are made and dreams become reality. Book your event today. Hey, it's Steve Casillo, and we all remember the storm that blew through our town back in June that pelted this community with baseball-sized hail. It did a ton of damage around Mansfield, including my own roof. Regular listeners to About Mansfield have heard Paul Duncan's commercials for Trinity Roofing and Construction. And after the storm, I reached out to him, and boy, am I glad that I did. From the first call to Paul to working with the crew leader, the scheduling department, and the entire construction team, and how it all played out with my insurance company, working with Trinity Roofing and Construction was a breeze. It's easy to see why they're a platinum preferred contractor with Owens Corning with an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. So if you're thinking on replacing your roof, look no further than Trinity Roofing and Construction. They're a Mansfield-based company, and you can find them on the web at trinityroofingconstruction.com. Again, that's trinityroofingconstruction.com. No matter your familiarity with buying or selling real estate, having an experienced, trusted advisor on speed dial is priceless. The Roger and Beth team of Century 21 Judge Fight is here to be that resource for you. Whether you're buying right here in Mansfield or your dreams are taking you elsewhere, we are ready to help you with turning that vision into a reality. To learn more, visit our website at homesinmansfield.com. That's homesinmansfield.com. I'm Jason Moore, Executive Director of Mansfield Economic Development Corporation, and you're listening to About Mansfield. Welcome back to About Mansfield. This portion of the news is brought to you by the Grandview Event Center. Due to a positive West Nile mosquito test, the city of Mansfield began targeted ground spraying on Tuesday and will spray again through Wednesday, August 9th, between the hours of 9 p.m. and 5 a.m. in the Twin Creeks area, right behind Legacy High School. All residents, whether living in a spray zone or not, are encouraged to continue to follow the four Ds of personal protection throughout the mosquito season, regardless of surveillance results. They are dusk to dawn, stay indoors when mosquitoes are most active, drain, 
as in drain the standing water in your yard where water might collect in places like flower pots, toys, clogged rain gutters, and wading pools. Dress in light-colored long sleeves and pants and DEET. Use DEET. Apply repellent when outdoors. As you know, water can collect just about anywhere, and mosquitoes only need two tablespoons of water to breed. The Mansfield Police Department provided an update on an accident that occurred on August 2nd involving one of their officers in the 3500 block of southbound US 287. The officer was responding to an assist motorist call when a vehicle struck the patrol unit and then collided with another vehicle. Fortunately, the officer was outside of his vehicle at the time. And no injuries were reported. The incident unfolded as the police officer was tending to a motorist in need of assistance on the southbound 287 when a vehicle failed to yield to the flashing emergency lights and slammed into the parked patrol unit. The impact caused a secondary collision with a nearby vehicle. Despite the damages sustained to the patrol car and the involved vehicles, all parties emerged from the accident without injuries. As a reminder, motorists are urged to give ample space and reduce their speed to ensure the safety of both law enforcement officers and stranded roadside vehicles when they see a patrol car with flashing lights on the side of the road. According to a new study, Texas ranks seventh among U.S. states that prefer to forego home cooking in favor of dining out. The study was conducted by consumer price transparency platform Pricelisto.com, which sought to find which U.S. states enjoy eating out at restaurants that the most. To accomplish this, Pricelisto utilized Google Keyword Planner to compile a list of how many times people in each state searched for over 3,500 dining-related terms, including terms like best restaurant near me and restaurant menu over the past year. According to the study, Texans averaged 64,255 monthly searches for dining out related terms per 100,000 residents, the seventh highest in the country. So, who dines out the most? Number six, Georgia. Number five, Arizona. Number four, Nevada. Number three, Florida. Number two, Hawaii. And the number one state that dines out the most? Colorado. According to the study, Americans spend between $20 and $75 on an average restaurant meal, depending on the venue size and number of diners. If you have a comment about the show, you know, the news or whatever's on your mind locally, the good, the bad, or the ugly, what's on your mind? You can reach us by voicemail at 817-435-2938. Again, that's 8-1-7-435-2938. Go ahead and leave a voicemail and you may wind up here right here on the podcast. This coming Saturday, August 12th is National Bowling Day, which pays homage to the phrase, set them up and knock them down. Question, do you know how to keep score in bowling? You can only knock down 10 pins for frame and there are only 10 frames per game. So how does a perfect score add up to 300? It's a little more complicated than that. And I'm going to leave that up to you or the computerized scoring machine to figure that out. While it's possible that bowling-style games originated in ancient civilizations around the world, let's give credit to the modern game of bowling to Germany. Kegs were placed at the end of an alley, and Germans were to roll a stone, attempting to knock them down. The motivation was that by knocking down the kegs, a person's sins would be reconciled. How does one celebrate National Bowling Day? by going bowling. And hopefully by this time next year, you'll be able to do just that right here in Mansfield when High Five opens. So set them up, knock them down. 
Coming up after the break, we turn the page to the features section. High-risk pregnancy. Know what to expect. I'm Angel Biasati with Methodist Mansfield, and we'll talk about it with maternal fetal medicine specialist Jennifer Hernandez and Methodist Mansfield News to Know. Opportunities do exist in today's high interest rate real estate market. I'm Beth Steinke, and I'm going to reveal the biggest opportunity available today on the Mansfield Real Estate Report. In this week's Cocktail of the Week, I'll be talking about a cocktail that might have you buzzing. We are Mansfield's only source for news, talk, and information. I'm Colleen Daniel, and this is About Mansfield. This portion of the news was brought to you by the Grandview Event Center. I'm Philip Washington, Chief Investment Officer of Stonehill Wealth Management and host of the Wealth Building Made Simple podcast. First book I read in college was Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and it changed my life. And since then, I've read tons and tons of books on money. And what I've done is taken those lessons, simplified them, and I talk about those lessons on my podcast, Wealth Building Made Simple. So come hang out with us. We're on every major platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on YouTube, Wealth Building Made Simple. The housing market is evolving as interest rates rise to meet inflation. Speculation abounds as to what the future may hold. Do you have a trusted advisor? The Roger and Beth team at Century 21 Judge Fight should be your first call in all matters concerning real estate in the market. We specialize in residential real estate for both buyers and sellers. With industry partners across North America, our resources and expertise can turn the home you've been envisioning into a reality. Visit our website at homesinmansfield.com to learn more. That's homesinmansfield.com. Congratulations to David Joya, who is the first person to correctly answer last week's Mansfield trivia question. What two businesses currently occupy the C.A. Smith Building in historic downtown Mansfield? David knew that the two businesses that occupy the C.A. Smith Building are optometrist Dr. Robert A. Smith and Little Blue Goat. When we come back, this week's trivia question. This is about Mansfield. At Methodist Mansfield Medical Center, we've been caring for our home team for over 15 years. Today, you'll find award-winning physicians on the medical staff, advanced neurosurgery, a level three trauma center, critical care for newborns, and comprehensive orthopedic care. Methodist Mansfield, delivering the care our friends, neighbors, and home team depend on. That's community, and why so many people trust Methodist. Hey, it's Steve Casillo. I want to take a second to tell you about Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio 3.0. It's where we record and produce the About Mansfield podcast episodes. What started out as an audio-only studio, Podcast Mansfield is now a full-service audio and video recording studio, complete with custom green screen backgrounds, two high-definition cameras, editing, mixing, and mastering capabilities, and we can also help market your podcast. Podcast Mansfield is home to such great locally produced shows, such as Wealth Building Made Simple, We Are TPM, and Wealth Think Tank Television, just to name a few. So whether you're a hands-on person or just need a place to record your podcast or need advice from concept to completion, Podcast Mansfield is here to help. Conveniently located on Heritage Parkway, just off of 287 right here in Mansfield, mention the About Mansfield podcast and you get to record your first episode at no charge. For more information on starting your podcast, or if you're looking for a better place to record, Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio can be found on the internet at podcastmansfield.com. 
jenkins.com. Hi, this is Joe Jenkins with Joe Jenkins Farmers Insurance, specializing in auto, home, commercial, and life insurance. I was born and raised here in Mansfield, Texas. We're active in the community, and Mansfield's a town we really care about. Our office has over 30 years' experience in the insurance industry, and we're passionate about what we do and about customer service. For a free quote, please visit our website at joejenkinsinsurance.com or give us a call at 817-472-6058. Once again, that website is joejenkinsinsurance.com. It is time. It is time. Right now, this very second, it's time for the highly coveted, wildly popular About Mansfield trivia question. If you are the first person to email the correct answer to trivia at aboutmansfield.com, you will receive a $25 gift card to a Mansfield restaurant of your choice. It's brought to you by Joe Jenkins Insurance. Whether you're looking for homeowners, auto, commercial, or any other type of insurance, Joe has helped Mansfield area residents understand the insurance coverage that best fit their needs since 2010. You can find him on the internet at joejenkinsinsurance.com. Let's get to this week's question, Colleen. Well, Steve, the subject of today's question grew up in Mansfield and began her education in Mansfield Elementary School. Upon completing high school in Fort Worth in 1921, she studied at Bishop College in Marshall, Texas, and earned her master's degree in education from the University of Colorado at Boulder. For 49 years, she served as an MISD teacher and principal for three generations of students, and a school is named in her honor. This week's question is, who is the person I just described? Email your answer to trivia at aboutmansfield.com. Again, name the person I just described. Good luck, and thanks to Joe Jenkins Insurance for the gift card. Hi, I'm Dr. Janine Huang with United Dermatology Associates, and you are listening to About Mansfield. Welcome back to About Mansfield, your audio newspaper. Let's open up the features section. Angel Biasati talks with a local doctor about high-risk pregnancies in today's Methodist Mansfield News to Know. Angel? If you want to start a family or extend one, Maternal Fetal Medicine Specialist Jennifer Hernandez, what are some of the specific things that might contribute to a high-risk pregnancy, Dr. Hernandez? What I recommend for anybody considering a pregnancy in the future is to make sure you know your family history, make sure that you have all of your chronic medical conditions as well controlled and optimized as possible, and to make sure you're taking daily prenatal vitamins to reduce certain risk factors when you do get pregnant. We know that various complications can develop during pregnancy that can pose risks like preeclampsia, if you're having twins, placenta position, inadequate fetal growth, etc. Dr. Hernandez, what can a mom do to minimize the risk to her unborn baby? There are a lot of things we can control in pregnancy and a lot of things that are out of our control. Certainly, again, I recommend making sure all of your chronic medical conditions are well controlled before pregnancy, but coming to see a, a high-risk pregnancy specialist myself and, of course, starting with your obstetrician to make sure we know all about your chronic medical conditions and working to manage them throughout the whole pregnancy is the first and foremost thing I would recommend. But a lot of things like placental location and fetal growth, these are things that are sometimes out of our control. So don't feel like you're doing something to harm your 
baby or uh, the the outcome of your pregnancy. There are a lot of things that I, as a high-risk pregnancy specialist, would walk you through. Uh, but a lot of things that we can control, we work together. And a lot of things that we can't control, that's why I'm there to help out and, and guide you for the best management and outcomes. What can women do to prepare their body uh, to have a healthy baby? In general, just taking good care of yourself, eating well, exercise is, of course, always ideal for everybody. Movement is good, and just uh, maintaining a, a healthy lifestyle prior to pregnancy is is first and foremost. But working with your primary care physician ahead of time to make sure that your chronic medical conditions are well controlled, that you're taking your prescription medications as recommended, avoiding alcohol, tobacco, illicit drug use, of course. These are all things that we don't recommend as you look forward to any pregnancy and during any pregnancy, but these are all things that you can do to, to improve all the outcomes that are in your control with any upcoming pregnancy. Dr. Hernandez, you had a high-risk pregnancy with twins a few years ago. Can you share your experience as a mom who's been through a high-risk pregnancy with us? Of course. Well, it's been more than a few years. They just turned 12. So they are <laughs> growing up fast. It goes by very quickly. But yes, I do remember my pregnancy very well. I was um, also, yes, a high-risk patient and a high-risk physician at the same time, which was quite uh, interesting to be on the other side of the table. But I trusted my uh, medical team of course, with every decision and let them guide me as much as I guide my own patients. But it was complicated from the minute we got pregnant until the minute we delivered, but we were just grateful for the care. And I actually delivered in Mansfield. So I remember that day, of course, very well and will always remember it. I'm very grateful for the care I received there and tell my patients about that all the time. But um, it's a wonderful place to deliver. And I, of course, trust to have my patients be taken care of there as much as I trusted myself to be taken care of there. Dr. Hernandez, what if a woman has a preterm baby at Methodist Mansfield? What do we have to offer? We are fortunate to have a wonderful NICU in our hospital. And of course, NICU stands for the Neonatal Intensive Care Unit. And not just accommodates preterm babies, but any baby that has needs after delivery. So a NICU is certainly important for any baby at any gestational age if there's any sort of condition that would warrant further evaluation and, and management after delivery. So the high-risk doctors work in conjunction with the neonatologists who manage the NICU, and we take care of your baby before birth and after birth in Mansfield, and that area is growing Thank you for sharing. I know at Methodist Mansfield, there's wonderful parenting classes, social work assistants, physical therapists, dietitians, diabetic educators, and including Dr. Hernandez and others who are there to support you and care for you and your growing family. Thank you, Dr. Hernandez. That's Methodist Mansfield News to Know. I'm Angel Biasati reporting for the About Mansfield podcast. Realtor Beth Steinke shares opportunities in the Mansfield real estate market update. Beth? You've been wanting to make a move, but it seems impossible. 
It's not. This past week, I helped a Mansfield family take advantage of the biggest opportunity available today in the real estate market. They needed a larger home and have been considering a move since before COVID. But one market condition after another just made it not a great time to pull the trigger. But finally, the stars aligned, the conditions perfect, and at the end of the month, they will be moving into their brand new construction home. Let's break down why the conditions are perfect now for them. Builders are offering tremendous pricing and buyer incentives as they hope to move through inventory they started building and in some cases, building before interest rates shot up. Prices are trending slightly downward, which is to be expected since new construction was one of the biggest price gainers over the last few years. Builders are open to negotiating price and other terms more than they have been in years. But pricing wasn't the only thing that made it the perfect time for these folks. Some builders are offering interest rate incentives, and our buyers were able to secure the house they loved for many thousands of dollars off, but also able to secure it at a 4.99% interest rate on their 30-year loan at the builder's expense. That's a phenomenal rate, and even if they had waited until interest rate drops, they would have been waiting for many, many more months. One complication, though, the builder wanted this ready-to-buy, completed, new construction house closed within the next 30 days, and our buyers had a house to sell in order to buy this one. What is it that they say? Every problem is just an opportunity in disguise. Lucky for our buyers, we have several buy-before-you-sell programs that solve this problem for them, too. They will be able to get moved into their brand new home, make any final touches on their existing home to get it ready for market, and then we will list it and sell it for them. Looking good and ready for its new owners. This family will be in their new home by Labor Day after waiting since early 2020 to make this move. There is no perfect timing when you need to make a move, but if we know what's important to you, we can work hard to mitigate the challenges and move the stars around a little bit and get you into the right house for you. If you've been thinking about making a move into new construction, now may be the right time while overall demand is lower and builders are more willing to work with you. Be sure to take your trusted real estate professional with you on that first visit to the model home so that they can bring the helmets and help you avoid all the landmines. Now, Let's see what's happening in the real estate market locally. As of August 7th, there are 135 active and available homes in Mansfield, excluding new construction. This number is holding steady as it has all year. No big spikes or drops, which indicates homes are coming on the market and selling at a steady pace. Homes this week range from a $190,000 investor special with the list topping out at $1.8 million. Some homes are brand new on the market and others have been listed for more than 300 days. Last week, 15 homes sold in Mansfield at an average sales price of $424,000. Those homes were on the market for an average of 28 days. I continue to be impressed by the stability of real estate in Mansfield. We don't have the July market numbers yet, and it's been about a full year since the Federal Reserve started raising interest rates at a staggering pace. So it will be interesting to take a look when those numbers come in. Do you have a real estate question I can answer? Send me a message via email to info at aboutmansfield.com. For the About Mansfield podcast, I'm Beth Steinke with Century 21 Judge Fight. Shaken or stirred, either way, you know it's going to be good, as Brian Certain serves up a spicy frozen drink that'll get your attention in the cocktail of the week. Brian. This week's cocktail of the week is the spicy frozen bee's knees. 
We've talked about the bee's knees in the past, but this week I'm taking a different take on it, inspired by a video I saw on TikTok. And this video is actually from join underscore jewels. So the spicy frozen bee's knees is a delightful, unique variation on the classic bee knees cocktail. Combining the botanical flavors of gin, the zesty tang of fresh lemon juice, and the tantalizing heat of a hot honey syrup, this frozen concoction offers a refreshing and spicy twist. But don't worry about taking notes. I'll be giving all the ingredients and instructions and posting them, as always, on our favorite website, bourbongospel.com. Ingredients. You're going to need two ounces of gin. Choose a good gin, whatever your flavor, a good London gin, a good botanical, whatever your flavor profile. You need one ounce of fresh, fresh, fresh lemon juice and one and a half ounces of your favorite brand of hot honey syrup. You're going to also need ice cubes and lemon slices for garnish. To make the hot honey syrup, you're going to take a half a cup of honey, a quarter cup of water, and a teaspoon of chili flakes. Again, you can adjust that to your flavor profile. To prepare the hot honey syrup in a small saucepan, combine the honey, the water, the chili flakes, and a cinnamon stick. Heat the mixture over medium heat, stirring until the honey is fully dissolved. Simmer for about five more minutes to infuse the flavors. Remove the saucepan from heat and let the syrup cool completely. Once cooled, strain the syrup through a fine mesh sieve to remove the chili flakes and the cinnamon stick and set it aside. To make the cocktail in a blender, add gin, fresh lemon juice, hot honey syrup, and ice cubes. Blend the ingredients on high speed until the mixture is both smooth and slushy. Pause. Taste the cocktail. If desired, adjust the sweetness or spiciness by adding more hot honey syrup or lemon juice. And continue blending until the desired consistency is achieved. To serve, pour the frozen bee's knees into a chilled glass. And then garnish, if you care, with a lemon slice or a twist um, of lemon for that extra citrus aroma. Serve immediately and enjoy the spicy goodness. Some additional tips. For additional heat, increase the amount of chili flakes in the syrup. You can also adjust the sweetness and the tartness of the cocktail by adding more honey syrup or lemon juice. You can experiment with different types of gins to make your preferred flavor profile. Or for a non-alcoholic version, replace the gin with a non-alcoholic spirit or flavored soda water. As always, I'm open to hear your take and input. You can reach me at brian at bourbongospel.com. And until next week, as Mark Twain said, too much of anything is bad, but too much whiskey is barely enough. Reporting for the About Mansfield podcast, I'm Brian Certain. Hi, I'm Jennifer Cowley, president of the University of Texas at Arlington, and you're listening to About Mansfield. Welcome back to another segment of About Mansfield. I'm Steve Casillo as we make the transition from news to talk. And it is that time of year where... Parents are throwing their arms up in the air in jubilation as the kids are going, oh, shucks. <laughs> it's back to school time. And it, it, so we thought we'd bring in and, and talk about the state of education. And so this is kind of a serious topic. We, you know, a lot of times we're doing features on, on people and where they grow up and blah, blah, blah. But uh, today we're talking uh, the state of local education. And um, with us in the studio is Jandale Crutchfield, 
Welcome to About Mansfield. Thank you so much. And I am one of those parents who is throwing her hands up in the air <laughs> saying, go back to school. <laughs> yes. So thank you, teachers. Thank you, counselors. Thank you, principals. We appreciate all you do. Take them back. You are not a, uh, you're not a K-12 teacher. Correct. Correct. Are, are you a K-12 parent? I am. So I have a rising sixth grade boy who is going to Donna Shepherd in Mansfield ISD. And then I have a rising fourth grade daughter who attends Irma Nash Elementary. So I am definitely an MISD parent. All right. So the state of local education, the following, if, if we can throw this little disclaimer out there, yeah. is that of an, an MISD parent. Correct. But your knowledge of education goes a little further than that. Yeah, absolutely. So I am currently, what brings my family and I to Texas is my current position as a professor of social work Mm -hmm. at UT Arlington. So we moved here five years ago for that role. But prior to that, prior to earning my PhD, I served in schools as a school social worker. So I've been on the staff side. Um, My husband is a former teacher, former principal. So when we support and love on teachers, we know what that actually means. Um, And so a school social worker, People sometimes are like, well, what in the world is that? Um, a, a social worker helps everybody in the building get to the business of education. Yeah. So students, parents, families bring lots of issues with them. And so we're helping them to find solutions to that, teachers included, principals included. What can everybody agree on so we can get back to the business of learning? And when we talk about education today, kids are bringing to school more issues than ever. No. Uh, no, no. <laughs> Honestly, it's, yes, they are um, in different ways. And so social work is near and dear to my heart, but I've seen it up close in schools. And so most of the schools I worked in were in Louisiana and Mississippi. Mm. But I have that background um, as I serve, volunteer, and do other work in MISD. So you, in in the... In the big pool of education, you've done more than just dipping your toe in the water. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You're, so. you're a swimmer. Yeah, I'm a swimmer. That's a, that's <laughs> I, a good thing to say. Yeah. You're a deep diver. I'm a deep diver. Oh, Ab- there you go. Absolutely. Trying to go. trying to find solutions um, when people are ready to kind of give up on kids. Um, and so realizing that uh, there's probably something that can be done. And while you are the business of teaching and running your school, mm-hmm. let us social workers be able to step in uh, and fill in the when did your when did your experience of social work begin? Um, so I like to say that I was a social worker kind of always because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right like the the qualities of dignity and worth of a person and social justice and all of these things that social work uh, stands for. Um, I'll never forget kind of standing at the bus stop and, you know, sticking up for my brother as he dealt with some other people that were having some conflict. And so that push to make sure that people are having a good experience themselves, I think has been something that's drawn me to social work um, and 
particularly in schools, right? So social workers can do lots of things. They're out there in healthcare settings. Mm -hmm. They're out there in government. Um, Of course, in child protection services is where most people see social workers. But the reason I think about social work in schools and what drew me to that is just my own family's experience and student experience regarding education. So we know even in the same household, educational experiences can be vastly different. Sure. Um, And so we even have this, this last three weeks, a cousin of mine who's here from California. Hmm. He's nine, just like my nine-year-old daughter. They have been having a blast. But over these three weeks, I've noticed the differences in their educational experiences. Um, And so he has not necessarily received the types of services that are supportive to his learning differences um, in special education, whereas my daughter, who has had speech services and MISD, has gotten the things that she needs. And so their experiences being vastly different will lead to vastly different outcomes. And their experiences now, I think, can be linked all the way back to the education of their grandparents. So, huh. so yeah, no, seriously. Um, so, well, And that's interesting because mm-hmm. I was going to ask to go back 10 years, mm-hmm, but now we're mm-hmm. talking two generations. Yeah, absolutely. And so the difference, yes. the differences in education mm-hmm. now, mm-hmm. as opposed to now, again, I was going to say just what are the differences in education between now and 10 years? Yeah. Let's go. Okay. You, you mentioned it, <laughs> grandparents. What are some of the differences in education between current day and let's go back two generations? Yeah. Well, there are lots of legal um, ramifications that have been coming from the federal government, right, in terms of access to services. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, um, with my cousin, his grandmother probably was able to go to the fifth or sixth grade in Louisiana. We asked students to be in school, right? So this, this is like, you know... 40-ish years ago, but really not that long ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and so compulsory attendance laws, right? And how schools are funded based on students coming to school, those things are definitely more um, stringent uh, in today's educational pool. Um, I think in terms of the pressing needs, what I think from a social work perspective is having to deal with the whole student experience because schools are there to educate. And so there's been this question of, well, do we have to do anything else? Hmm. Do we have to account for social needs or economic differences or the fact that even in Mansfield ISD, we have students that are immigrants or refugees or right. Ukrainian students. Um, and so those things, I think, are pressing because there are limits to funds and how you can use them, what staff you can hire to be able to support the things that you hope to do for all of the students to have the unique experience that you want them to have across the board. And how is it possible then, or is it possible to, you've got a variety of races, you've got, uh, and ethnicities, you've got um, those of different lifestyle choices, how is it possible Mm -hmm. that everyone gets an equal education? Yeah, I think it is part of the vision of a local school board. And so local governance Mm -hmm. that sets a vision for that. If that's not a vision that's set, then that's not something a superintendent or staff go out and try to do if it's not important. And so when we talk about the role of school boards, they literally are the people who say, today we're going to focus on reading versus math. Um, And so if we think about the student experience and the equity of experiences, that has to be something that's set as a vision. And then a district superintendent 
um, and staff can work towards that. And we have, and that's why I think we have brilliant enough staff to be able to come up with solutions, but they have to work on what the vision is. When it comes to the a school district mm-hmm, we mm-hmm. we've yet to narrow in on mansfield isd yeah. which it's coming <laughs> um, is there a pecking order in terms of the 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 list of concerns mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. i wrote down a few words education safety nutrition technology um all the things. Oh, yeah. but And I would assume there are more things <laughs> mm-hmm. that go on that list, but mm-hmm. is there what's most important when mm-hmm. it comes to the children? Yeah. Um, so I, I think that a school district's main consumer is the student. And so student achievement is the business of schools. And I think all of the ancillary things, so whether we're talking about safety or we're talking about technology or we're talking about support services, social emotional learning, all of that is to support the idea of learning. And Mm -hmm. so for your particular district, and you talk about the differences in race, ethnicities, languages, nationalities, you have to be able to come up with the right formula of those types of services that facilitate learning. And so there for each district, that's a different pecking order. But the, at the very top is the student achievement of all students. That's how districts are measured. And so figuring out what that formula or that balance is to help your students to be able to achieve at their highest level is what it takes. And then what what role does the school board have in addressing these these concerns? Yeah. So they allow the staff to be able to to chase these types of goals. Right. Again, if the school district has not, or the school board has not identified um, the needs that are pressing uh, in terms of student achievement in a certain area with a certain subgroup. They are not setting the vision for staff to, to then be able to come up with solutions. Staff tend to have solutions, have ideas, um, but they're only able to work towards whatever that vision that is set. Uh, so they have oversight. Um, they set the direction for the district. It not only happens locally, I've seen it around uh, a, a lot of the, the districts around North Texas mm-hmm. uh, is are you seeing more politics getting involved in in school districts? Um, yeah, I think uh, because again, the school board is setting the vision for the district. Elected officials actually have political ideologies, believe it or not. Yeah, um, and so when uh, we are driving our decisions from our political corners, then it takes the focus off of the student. And so I think there are ways to be able to try to work together on a targeted vision or issue. But defining that, I think, is what's clouded when we talk about politics. And so if it's not looking at data for my district and seeing that our third grade reading is subpar and we need to improve that, it is, oh, I had this gut feeling that I want to talk about this other pet project that I have according to my politics. And so um, it moves us away from data, which, again is how we determine if students are achieving or not. So I definitely have seen uh, that be a challenge for school boards. So if the reading is subpar, and if mm-hmm. the reading not only of this child, but of the re- uh, the reading of a group, mm-hmm. would that be a situation where our, our school district rating 
would drop. Oh, absolutely. So, um, so districts everywhere, um, in North Texas in particular, have been grappling with uh, changes in the Texas Education Agency. And some districts have been better about letting parents know, hey, this shift is coming. We've always gotten our rating based on this performance metric mm-hmm. or how many students graduate, this ready, or military ready, college, career, all of these things. But guess what? It's changing. Um, and so districts who are having a lot of challenges with the the changes probably haven't always communicated well to parents, but those can shift at any time. It's our Texas Education Agency. They determine um, whether we're accountable or not. And so a district that is focused on data can figure out, yeah, we have to focus more on students that are speaking English as a second language, right? And so TEA asks you to focus on the groups overall, like all the students in your district, but it also asks you to to split the groups, right? For groups that we tend to see some challenges in terms of achievement. So split all of your students um, by race, by gender, by nationality, by um, English as a second language, by ability, and see if they're also doing well. And so that really is sometimes a challenge because overall we might look like we're doing well, but what are our specific groups doing and who actually needs uh, a different shoe? I've spoken at at school board meetings before to talk about making sure our our individual shoes fit. And so that's what... TEA, Texas Education Agency, is asking us to do, right, not to have our students who are differently abled wear shoes for people who don't have the same needs that they have, right? And so if I wear a size 10, don't try to force me to fit a size 8. And that just is a normal thing, giving kids the shoes, shoes, right, that they need to be successful. Okay, so you're speaking in code. Then you're, just, you're not actually going to the uh, the, the the school uh, clothing yeah. closet for for shoes, uh, right? That's, Except, that's, go ahead, go ahead. So that you're you're fitting the, yeah. the child with the the right education, right? With the with the right needs. And remember, we talked about that pecking order, right? Sure. So for this kid, it's more support in special education services. For this kid, it's more support um, in after school care or tutoring. And so making sure that you have what you need for those. Kids, we're asked to do that, and so I, I think politically sometimes people say, "Oh, you're bringing policies, and then why are you focused on our agency that we are accountable to, that gives us the rating that all the parents pay attention to?" Ask us to do this and to make sure those kids have the the figurative shoes, the that figurative they, yeah, shoes, the figurative not shoes. the literal shoes. <laughs> yeah. So when when a uh, let's go back to mm-hmm. the 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 child and then mm-hmm. the group of uh, of people that aren't reading right. up to a level. What are the ramifications then of mm-hmm. a school district mm-hmm. going from an A rating to a B or maybe a B rating to a C? The, mm-hmm. I, I would assume it's got to have more of, a, of an effect, mm-hmm. maybe a ripple effect mm-hmm. uh, than than just the district. Yeah. Um, you know, I think with parents and thinking about where people want to live, to settle down, um, Obviously, it matters, right, what the school district is rated. Mm -hmm. And so even people in the community that don't have students currently in school are paying taxes to make sure that schools are stellar. And so a C or the downgrading of your district doesn't reflect um, what 
the health is of your of your school district or your community. I'm not certain if there are um, other financial penalties or other things that happen when schools are downgraded. I know there's a hefty tax or, or price to pay from the community yeah. when that happens. Well, I, I would think, yeah, it, yeah. it would lower the uh, it would lower the real estate, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, the cost of uh, the price of a home, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which then would ripple down to the economy in. That yeah, city, the local economy. Correct. That if people aren't moving here, well, then people aren't patronizing businesses, right? And then so it again, that a lot. The that trickles effects. down to the employees yeah. and the owners, and mm-hmm. uh, so mm-hmm. so maintaining that A relationship, that A rating, is yeah. uh, is imperative. Yeah, absolutely right. for the health of a community, right? So it's it is imperative that people think, oh, my kids are not in school anymore. It doesn't really matter, but actually, it does to your bottom line. Let's talk about MISD. Yeah. Let's talk about it. <laughs> we chose it. Just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you know what? You're right. We chose it. Uh-huh. <laughs> when my wife and I moved here to Texas in 2004, mm-hmm. we could have moved. I, I I literally did a search within about a 15-mile radius yeah, of same. where she works. Mm-hmm. And um, we chose Mansfield. Yeah. Because of the schools, mm-hmm. we had a a three year old and a seven year old. They're now gone and out of the house, mm-hmm. but um, and they had a wonderful education through MISD mm-hmm. starting nineteen years ago. Mm-hmm. Is MISD broken? I don't think MISD is broken. So our experience, we've only been here five, so we haven't been here nine, okay. uh, 19 years. Um, and so we similarly moved uh, here looking around, obviously proximity to UT Arlington, but also a growing, changing diverse Mm -hmm. district because there's lots of high-performing districts, which Mansfield ISD is one of them. But the growth, change, and diversity of Mansfield ISD is what drew us to settle down roots here. And so I don't think Mansfield ISD is broken. I think we have staff. I think we have district administrators. We have leaders who are capable of coming up with solutions to things. I think potentially... Defining the challenges with the rapid growth and change demographically, this this district is now a majority minority district. Mm-hmm. That's different. That comes with its own opportunities for change, for growth, for development. And so I think defining where we need to go, I think there's a challenge that people have seen with many other districts in North Texas um, in our rating uh, dropping recently. And so the task is there. It's in front of us. It may need to look different. What's worked in Mansfield in 2004 for your family may not be the solutions of old that we need, but I I feel you know capable that our staff are capable of trying to come up with some of those solutions. And so, what are the solutions? What are, first of um, all, what are the problems, and then what are the solutions? Yeah. So I think the I mean the challenge is we want to be an A rated district, and yeah. so so what that means is where are we seeing um, lower student performance over time. And what type of proven educational interventions are there to try to improve that? And so where are the most resources needed around the district? Um, I think increasingly, um, as, again, the district grows and changes, we always hear about staff retention. We always hear about staff training, staff turnover, all of these things. And so making sure that there are um, all the positions staffed 
And so that students are getting consistent education with people who can follow them um, throughout their, you know, the year and as those things happen. Um, but I think really a lot of the challenge is defined around the specifics of student outcomes. And so I know from attending board meetings that our current results from the previous, from the spring, I think we're in the, we're, we don't have them yet. And so it'll be interesting yeah. to see with the new um, star that's been implemented where students fell. Because I, I, I know for the last year, that's been the target. This test is changing. This test is changing. We're preparing our students as best we can. We're doing, um, you know, extra to try to do that. Well, what, what, where did it land us? And so I think it'll provide more opportunity there. But um, again, I, without having all of the the metrics on that, I don't know specifically where, you know, MANSYSD should be focusing, but making sure that students have the services and supports that they need to be able to, to get to those. And I think, you know, I think that's something they've tried to do. You mentioned the STAR test. Mm-hmm. A lot of parents go, oh, you know, <laughs> uh, yay or nay, really, is mm-hmm. is the question that that yeah. is the star test. Uh, I I know that parents can opt their kids out of taking mm-hmm. the star test, mm-hmm. and I've I, I've seen where kids get so wound up because mm-hmm. they're taking mm-hmm. a test, mm-hmm. a test that that no, not a test, the test, the test, the yes. test, and mm-hmm. it it really puts a lot of pressure on them. Mm-hmm. The uh, number one question that would be, is the STAR test a viable test? Is there another way to to test the kids without the STAR test? Mm-hmm. Or could the STAR test be administered in little spurts throughout mm-hmm. the year so that mm-hmm. they're not stressing over go home tonight, get a good night's sleep, get yourself a good breakfast and get to school. And <laughs> and, and we are just going to wind you up for five hours. And, uh-huh, and uh-huh, uh-huh. that's kind of a long question to. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, I think the buildup potentially for star is part of the problem uh, in terms of student anxiety and what you're talking about. And so when you said the test, it's the test because, because our students <laughs> are tested. Like we have to have testing metri- metrics, right. Oh, yeah. To know how they're performing. And we have things called grades and a GPA. And so, you know, we have things like the ACT, the SAT, so that we can compare um, our student district performance to others. And so in that way, that's what the star accomplishes. Now, I mean, there's probably, you know, 50, different criticisms of the test itself. Um, But I think uh, the preparation that's gone into this, particularly this last round, um, I think will serve us as well, because unless we are somehow going to remove ourselves from the accountability rating system, that's what we have to be measured by. Um, And so... Star. Well, and, and suppose yeah. what if what if a a, a teacher or mm-hmm. or the teachers mm-hmm. said uh, a, a class it's Monday and mm-hmm. there's going to be a test on Friday, mm-hmm. which is no different than say the week before. Mm-hmm. It just happens that this coming Friday is a little portion of the star mm-hmm. test, mm-hmm. but it's not advertised as the star test. It is <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's Monday, and it's folks, this. we're taking the yeah. test on Friday. Yeah. Uh-huh. Here, everybody passes out the test. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the the anxiety goes away because yeah. it's just a test. Yeah, I I agree. Um, but I think you know that anxiety is a reflection of 
what STAR means to schools and districts. Right. And so, yeah, adults have anxiety about it. Literally our jobs and our, our performance ratings and how we are assessed as a district is all hinging on this. And so we, you know, um, have conversations about it and are preparing for it. And clearly, you know, some of that gets through to the students. Um, Adding to the... Yeah. The mental health of, of the kids. <laughs> yeah, that's that's one of the the main things. The key things is all of the um, kind of supports that are needed for students to be able to deal with some of that anxiety. Test yeah. anxiety is is actually um, on the rise when you have these you know standardized tests, but that could be for like you said a regular test during the week or a pop quiz or something like that. And so again, yes, school social workers helping. Um, with those different things, counselors helping uh, students to be able to manage anxiety generally. Um, and I think, you know, there's probably just some bad feelings about STAR um, in general. <laughs> and so helping everybody to be able to say, okay, we know we've got this this test coming. Um, but, and I, I see posts a lot on social media around that time because it's, it's STAR, you know, in Texas, but it's something else in a lot of other states um, as well. So, that's people, true. yeah, people saying, um, you know, you're bigger than this, et cetera, et cetera, um, to students to help them feel motivated. Um, but I think that potentially there needs to be support around it. If we are going to be assessed in this way, then helping students to be able to process what this actually means. What is an assessment? What does it um, actually say about what you know if you have A's in your class, but maybe you didn't perform well on this test? And so one of the things we do, you know, in higher ed, maybe we have more flexibility to be able to offer different uh, testing options for students. So yeah. one of the, the things I really like about what I'm able to do is offer my final exam as a paper, as a qualitative essay um, test, or as a quantitative test. All the same potential in in grade uh, for people, but they get to select how they give me back that information. And so I don't think there's that flexibility um, with STAR, but it is, it's is—it's what we have. Again, reducing the, mm -hmm. the anxiety. Is it mm -hmm. me or is it uh, that maybe I'm just paying a little closer attention, this generation of kids seems to have more mental health problems in, in terms of seeking out outside professional counseling mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, as opposed to as, as opposed to generations past. Yeah, I, I think that um, mental health is something that's more discussed. And okay. so I think I think students are aware of more of, of what they're feeling and experiencing and able to articulate that. I know one of the sessions in my son's fifth grade health class was a mental health session. I would have never had that just about 30 years ago. Um, and well, so we also didn't have uh, uh, planning for, <laughs> you know, back we used to do planning yeah. for earthquakes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. At least where where mm -hmm. I come from, mm -hmm. we didn't mm -hmm. have uh, mm -hmm. planning for active shooters. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And yeah. so there are um, environmental factors that also right are impacting uh, student anxiety level or depression level. But you still have factors that you've had without an outlet. So parents are still experiencing divorce or financial hardship or death. We think about just coming out of COVID and people losing um, you know loved ones sure. to that disease and. And the school, believe it or not, is one of the biggest providers of mental health services for students. And so they 
either feel more comfortable now, they have more presenting symptoms now, it's more acceptable to talk about your emotions. Um, but then, yes, there are more triggers, right? And, and the whole social media craze and how there are a lot of anxiety-inducing and depression-inducing things that students can um, engage with online. We're talking with Dr. Jandell Crutchfield. We will continue this interview next week right here on the podcast. As always, this is the place where you will hear the latest Mansfield news, sports, and conversation. Until then, don't forget to like, follow, subscribe, share, love, or support this podcast if you haven't already so you never miss an episode. It's free and it's easy. Head on over to our website, aboutmansfield.com. Enter your email address right there on the homepage. We will never send you any spam. We promise. About Mansfield is recorded at Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio. Hosts, Steve Casillo and Colleen Daniel. Moment with the Mayor feature... Michael Evans. Methodist Mansfield News to Know, Angel Biasati. Mansfield Real Estate Market Update, Beth Steinke. Cocktail of the Week, Brian Certain. Post-production editing, mixing, and mastering, Steve Casillo. This podcast is copyrighted by Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio for the private use of our audience. Any other use of this podcast without written consent is prohibited. We thank you all for listening on behalf of the entire news team. I'm Steve Casillo, and this... is about Mansfield. Mansfield.